My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 14th of April. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. 48 Australian politicians have called on the US government to free Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks. He's currently in prison in the UK after his involvement in a controversial leak of a huge quantity of secret US military files. Julian Assange has fame, notoriety and some very powerful enemies. Few people have had an impact on the history of this century quite like Julian Assange, and few have been as polarising. We're going to get to all of that in the deep dive, but first, Zara, what's making headlines this morning? The federal government will launch a survey to assess the literacy, numeracy and digital skills of Australian adults. The survey was announced by Skills and Training Minister Brendan O'Connor, who said about 20% of Australian adults lack the basic skills to fully participate in day-to-day life and the workplace. There will also be an investigation into the basic skill levels of First Nations people and an analysis of pre-existing data to identify priority groups moving forward. Smoking and vaping within 10 metres of schools and children's sporting events would be banned under new plans unveiled by the South Australian government. If successful, the ban could mean a fine of up to $750 for breaking the law. The government also announced they will trial a scheme to financially incentivise people to quit smoking and vaping. The unemployment rate remained at the near 50-year low of 3.5%. That's according to the latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. The rate of underemployment, so people who aren't working as much as they'd like to, rose 0.4 percentage points to 6.2%. The ABS said the figures reflected the tight labour market in Australia and difficulty for employers to fill job vacancies. And your Friday good news, the New Zealand government cabinet has reached gender equality for the first time in the country's history. It comes after Willow Jean Prime was added as the 20th member of the cabinet, which is now made up of 10 men and 10 women. 48 Australian politicians have signed this open letter calling for Julian Assange to be released back to Australia after more than a decade in legal limbo. Now, Assange is currently in prison in the UK, but the US is trying to have him brought over to face a range of charges, including espionage, so in this case, intelligence gathering. Okay, so before we go any further, I feel like the case of Julian Assange is one of those things that we always nod at when we see it in the news, like, oh, we know this story. But in actuality, I don't think I've ever been sat down and told what has actually happened, why he is imprisoned, where this case is going. So can you just take us back to the very beginning of this? Absolutely. So Julian Assange is an Australian citizen, and make a little mental note of that, we'll come back to that later. And he's known for founding WikiLeaks in 2006. Now, WikiLeaks is known for sharing censored or restricted official documents. It's kind of a big dump of documents online, but it's particularly known for documents relating to war or government surveillance. Now, since WikiLeaks has started, they claim to have published more than 10 million documents or pieces of information. But there was one leak that made them particularly notorious, maybe even infamous, depending on who you speak to, and that was the war logs of 2010. 
As part of that release, WikiLeaks published hundreds of thousands of classified US government documents related to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The leaks included a video from a US military helicopter of civilians being killed in Baghdad, which is the capital of Iraq, and other documents which revealed 66,000 civilians had been killed in the Iraq war, which was more than had been reported up until that point. Now, you can probably get a sense that what's contained in these documents is too much for us to go into right now. But what you should know is that it was the largest military security breach in US history, and it generated shockwaves across the entire world. Okay, so that's the foundation of the Julian Assange story, that he was the WikiLeaks founder. All of this information was leaked. Where to from here? Okay, so we've got this point in 2010 where the war logs were released. At that point, the US didn't bring any charges against him, but he became embroiled in this whole other legal conflict in Sweden. And this is where things can get a little bit confusing Mm. because the charges that he was facing in Sweden were not related to WikiLeaks or secret documents, but actually about allegations of rape, which were said to have occurred earlier in the year. Now, Assange has always denied these allegations, and at the time, he said that they were part of a plot to discredit him and to have him... Tra- can, you go, can you go through that? Why would they be used to discredit him? Well, the US saw him as a security threat, and so, according to Assange, this was a way to get him back to the US via Sweden, perhaps, to face charges on their soil. Okay, so if we just put aside the espionage charges for a second and just focus on those rape charges, what happened there? I feel like that's not often spoken about. So Swedish authorities put out an arrest warrant and he was arrested in the UK where he was at the time on this Swedish warrant, but then he was freed on bail by UK authorities. It then went to the UK High Court, which ruled that Assange should be indeed extradited to Sweden. And the purpose of that was to face trial in Sweden over these charges. But for Assange, he had a plan to avoid being extradited to Sweden, and that plan was to seek refuge in Ecuador's embassy in London. It's getting a lot. But basically, well, because that embassy is under Ecuador's control, UK officials weren't legally able to reach him there, and he was granted political asylum by Ecuador to remain in their UK embassy to stop an extradition to Sweden. And that wasn't a quick thing. No. So he was there for seven years in this embassy, literally in the building for seven years, until 2019 when Ecuador revoked his asylum. And what happened then? So he literally was carried out of the embassy by UK officials and those rape charges in Sweden were dropped. But in the meantime, because of the seven years he'd spent in Ecuador's embassy, he actually had breached his bail conditions. So he then went to prison. and In the UK? Yes. And Mm -hmm. that's when the US stepped in. So up until then, the US had been relatively powerless. As soon as he was in the hands of UK authorities, they became part of the conversation. And the US Justice Department formally asked the UK, who were strong allies, to extradite Assange to the US to face those charges that we were talking about all the way at the beginning of the episode about how he conspired to hack US government computers and violated espionage laws. And that kind of brings us to today, where Assange is in a UK prison facing a potential extradition to the US. I think this is one of those issues where people feel very strongly on either side about specifically the leaking of classified information. I remember watching the movie about Edward Snowden, who was another whistleblower, and it was the first time I had been prompted to think about these things. And I remember going down a bit of an existential spiral considering what my position was. What are the two sides of this debate, especially when it comes to Julian Assange? Well, it's all about four words, freedom of the press. 
And that's what everyone's argument kind of centers on and people take different approaches to what that means. Mm -hmm. Those who defend Assange say that Assange was performing a public service by releasing documents that they say the public had a right to know. We deserve to know in in the opinions of these defenders what our armies are doing overseas and whether we're upholding human rights standards across the world. But then you have the other perspective, particularly held by the US Justice Department and the US government, that says that Assange is not a journalist, so Mm. he shouldn't be treated like one. They also say that WikiLeaks risked the lives of US military informants, so people in foreign nations aiding the US military, by failing to redact or censor their names in the leaks. Assange's lawyers have maintained he was careful to avoid publishing informants' names. And so the reason we're talking about this today, it's been in and out of the news cycle for years and years and years and the reason we're speaking about it today is because of this letter right that was signed by 48 politicians across the political spectrum which i think is really interesting now you have people on the far right of the political spectrum and far left agreeing on this one thing that julian assange should be released and remember that mental note i asked you to make right (laughs) at the beginning of the episode oh citizen australian citizen assange is australian and so in all of this controversy about ecuadorian embassies u.s charges uk charges swedish charges He is an Australian citizen. So there is a vested interest of the Australian government in what happens to Julian Assange. The letter issued this week kind of reflects that. So it involves all 15 federally elected Greens, as well as 13 Labor backbenchers, 12 independents, six MPs from the coalition, the United Australia Party's Ralph Babbitt and One Nation's Malcolm Roberts. Quite the array. Yeah, it's really the whole political spectrum. Former Nationals leader Barnaby Joyce, who called for Assange's release when he was deputy PM, also signed the letter. But it's not just Australian politicians advocating for this. There are seven top US Democrats who have called for Assange's release this week as well. But this isn't a new thing. There have been pollies calling for his release for a while. What do you think will happen next from here? Well, no one really knows what's going to happen next. We've heard reports that there is work happening behind the scenes to try to secure Assange's release. If those efforts don't eventuate and he is extradited and convicted in the US, Assange could face life in prison for his charges. But the US has promised that even if he does end up being charged there, he could serve any sentence he might receive in an Australian prison. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with the next chapter of this story. The letter is out there. We'll see how both the US and UK governments respond. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz this week. If you're liking what you're hearing, give us a rating and review wherever you do your listening. It helps people find us and it makes us happy. Thanks as always for your support and have a great weekend.